Last week, we began a new sermon series called We've Got the Light of Freedom, and we talked about the season of Epiphany, this time of year that we're in now that comes after Christmas, a time where that focuses on the light of God coming into the world. And this light, we said, is the light of freedom, a light that exposes the darkness, the oppression, the injustices in our world as it shines forth always God's light of love and liberation. And today in our first scripture reading, we heard the prophet Isaiah speak of the light of God shining in darkness. In the midst of gloom and anguish, the prophet says, God's light breaks forth almost like the dawn, awakening a land of darkness to God's light. And other than being a season of the Christian year, we use that word epiphany to describe those times when our eyes are opened. That moment when our clarity becomes clear, our purpose, our mission, our calling is evident to us. In a lot of ways, an epiphany reveals to us the way the world really is, the way we really are, or at least the way God sees the world and us. Darkness obscures reality, but the sun exposes the truth. One of my favorite writers, the monk Thomas Merton, had such an epiphany. You've probably heard me talk about Merton before He's this non-traditional Catholic monk who made vows to silence and to a small monastery in the Kentucky bluegrass. And yet he was a monk who wrote proficiently and boldly, and he left his monastery quite frequently, actually, often uh, upsetting his abbot. And he would travel the world as an activist for justice and peace. He was a voice for interfaith relationships. And he wrote about contemplation, what happens when you're quiet and silent before God. But he also wrote about action and social justice and how the church should be out in the world. He was a racial justice activist in the midst of the civil rights movement, known to walk in marches and wrote profound, uh, convicting writings to the white church. Through Martin's life and his writings, many have been sparked to action by his example. But according to him, his true calling, his real ministry in life wasn't always known to him. He had already been a monk for over a decade when one ordinary day, he was walking downtown in Louisville, Kentucky, or as they say there, Louisville, That busy southern city is about an hour north of the Abbey of Gethsemane where he lived. And on that day, in the middle of a crowded intersection, Thomas had an epiphany. And he writes about that day in his powerful book, Conjectures of a Guilty Bystander. Margo's going to read to us that portion of writing. It's on the back of your bulletin insert if you want to look along. Now I realize what we all are. And if only everyone... 
be explained. There's no way of telling people that they're all walking around like the shining like the sun. If only they could see themselves as they really are. If only we could see each other that way all the time. There would be no more war, no more hatred, no more cruelty, no more greed. At the center of our being is a point of nothingness, which is untouched by sin and by illusion. A point of pure truth, a point or spark which belongs entirely to God. It's like a pure diamond blazing with the invisible light of heaven. It's in everybody, and if we could see it, we would see these billions of points of light coming together in the face and blaze of a sun that would make all the darkness and all the cruelty of life vanish completely. I have no program for this scene. It is only given. But the gate of heaven is everywhere. On the cover of your bulletin is a picture of the plaque that stands on that corner today that marks that moment, his revelation or epiphany when Merton had this sudden insight, the plaque says, at this corner on March 18, 1958, that led him to redefine his monastic identity with greater involvement in social justice issues. Without this moment, this awakening, Merton says he'd probably never engage in the ministry that he became known for. He'd never written the books that has convicted so many people that had a tremendous impact on the world and the church. Words that have called the church to its prophetic mission to be that light of freedom. What Merton saw that day, though, was really nothing amazing. It's what we see every day, people walking down the street, and yet it was perhaps the most amazing thing of all. Merton saw his fellow human beings as they really were, he said, that they were all lights, shining like the sun, billions of points of light. You thought George H.W. Bush came up with the points of light thing, but that's Thomas Merton, that we're all billions of points of light coming together in the face in blaze of a sun, windows of God's light shining into the world. What would happen, he asked, if we all realized this, who we are and who each other is? Would that be the end of war, the end of partisan fights, the end of indifference, injustice, greed, the end of cruelty? The first step to shining the light of freedom into our world is the realization that the light is already out in the world. It may be obscure, but it's there. Let's be honest, it's hard though, isn't it? It's hard to see strangers on the street as gates of heavenly light. But what may be the hardest thing of all is seeing ourselves in this way. I mean, what, what do you see when you look in the mirror, when you take that uh, selfie, right? Do you see light? Do you see a gate of heaven in the picture? If you're like me, you usually see your flaws, you're too fat, you're getting too old, too tired, too weak. More gray hairs, really? Someone gives you a compliment and you argue with them because you can't believe such things would be true about yourself. Maybe you can see light in others, but not in yourself. This is where the psalmist helps us, this ancient writer from Psalm 27 who says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? One thing I've asked of the Lord that I will seek after to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire 
in the Lord's temple. Now, the psalmist isn't just talking about how important it is to go to church, though it's important. Because, well, since we're already being honest, let's just get it out there in the open. Sometimes the darkness is inside the church, too. I've talked to too many people who grew up oppressed by their church, told they were not good enough, that they could never be good enough, seen a picture of God as nothing but a judge. That's not the light of God. God's light doesn't shine to expose your faults. The psalmist tells us that God's light is salvation. God's light is shelter. It's refuge. God's light doesn't shine to to make you hide and recoil. God's light shines to give you peace, to expose who you really are, that you are God's beloved. The Lord's light is a shelter. The Lord's light is salvation. And spending time in the presence of God, seeking God's face, basking in God's light and glory, our eyes are open to who we really are. That within us, that within me and you and all of us, within your neighbor and your spouse, your children, your fellow church member, a stranger on the street, the postal worker, the police officer, the wealthy, the poor, the powerful, the disenfranchised, the president, and the protester within us all, as Merton says, at the center of our being is a point of nothingness that is untouched by sin and by illusion, a point of pure truth within us all, a point or a spark which belongs entirely to God. Underneath it all, whatever crowds and obscures the truth, whatever darkness and doubts and sin and greed and cruelty may be within, there is that light of God within us all. So what would it be like if we looked in the mirror and saw that light? What would it be like if we stood at the intersections of our lives, wherever that may be, with crowds of people passing by and saw every one of them just as they are, gates of heaven, hundreds, thousands, millions, billions of points of light, of God's light shining in the world? Would our friendships change? Would our politics change? How would we spend our money differently? How would we spend our time differently? Would our ministry be different? Now, as a child, we sang that song, This Little Light of Mine, and we'd always stick our light out, right? Stick your finger up like we were holding a candle, like God's light was something you put in your hand and you walked around with. But that's not really it at all. The light isn't something external. It's not something we grab a hold of and pick up. The light of God is within us. If you don't know first who you are, if you don't spend time in God's presence, basking in God's light and God's unconditional love, then it's hard to go out in the world and shine your light. Because darkness is strong. The voices in the world that tell us we are not good enough, that we are less than, that we do not deserve respect and dignity and freedom, the voice of darkness is strong. But God's love, the psalmist says, is a stronghold. Stronger than the power of darkness. God's light is salvation. God's light is shelter. In the presence of God, you are loved just as you are. In the presence of God, you see perhaps for the first time who you really are. That no matter what anyone may say, no matter what you grew up hearing from family or church or what your doubts and your fears may tell you, you are God's light. Within you is the spark of divine light. So clean it off. And let it shine. And once you have this epiphany about yourself, that's when you can step out into the darkness. And you won't even need a candle. 
The light will be glowing from within. And no matter what the darkness may say, you will already be free. Amen.